This is Beyond the Hate. I'm Steven. I'm John. And I, f- I feel like Rob Van Dam just, just <laughs> was coming out because this is what Van Dam used to come out to. Yes, and uh, that's the most appropriate song for this episode we're doing today. Yeah. Uh, Other than that, or we could have done Slipknot's Only One. Ooh, yes, <laughs> Only yes, yes. one of us walks away. So someone's yeah. going to walk on home, boy. Right. Uh, <laughs> is there no standard anymore? Is there no? I mean, <laughs> apparently not, because today we are finally talking about one of our mortal enemies, fucking Rotten Tomatoes. This this website has created this weird way of watching movies now that we do not like. I I have never went to Rotten Tomatoes for anything personally, unless it's something related to the show. And I'm trying to get like stuff for notes. I'll go to Rotten Tomatoes to get notes sometimes for the R Beyond the Hate episodes. Right. Uh, but I I never just go to Rotten Tomatoes because I'm like, hey, let me see what these jackasses on the internet think about a movie. I don't give a shit. Because you know why? I have something called a fucking brain. I have an opinion. Yeah, we can think for ourselves. Right. Sheeple. Sheeple. Uh. <laughs> Wake up, sheeple. Um, so this is our attack on Rotten Tomatoes. What, what are we going to call this? Cause this is probably not the first time we're going to do these. These are special one-offs we're doing that are not regular. Attack Beyond of Hated. the Killer Tomatoes. Uh, attack, <laughs> attack of the Rotten Tomatoes. Oh man. I don't know. What Just is- get real creative with it. They'll, they'll be fun. I don't know. We'll have some fun with the title. It's just we'll have to come up with like a full on title eventually. You know, what we'd want to call it is like fuck rotten tomatoes, but right. we're not gonna call it that. Uh Rotten Tomatoes can eat a pile of dicks. <laughs> a pile of dicks. All of them. Yeah. Which by what? the way, a pile technically is over fifty, so Yeah. Over fifty dicks. Yeah. You can, that's what you can call it on iTunes. Rotten Tomatoes can eat over 50 dicks. <laughs> they can eat over 50 dicks. So, so that would clear you through pretty well. <laughs> so, so most, most of the stuff. So we're going to be covering some 
you know, uh, about six movies. Yep. Uh, Three apiece. Yeah, it's going to be something that we could. We, we doesn't mean that we're not going to cover these movies in a full episode. Some we're, of them we already have done full episodes. Yeah. So we're we're just kind of doing this to kind of show you how, you know, they're not credible, like the these comments and stuff. So we figured since we did end up watching Captain Marvel here recently that we would start good it was really good it was good it was very good uh so we figured we'd start with that so (laughs) um one of the things that i seen about this was um uh this person named uh carlos miguelis i think i'm saying Uh, that right oh i don't know if i've seen that uh, uh they gave it a uh, two star, and they're a super reviewer. Uh, this, this is the critics' reviews. Uh, this that you're on, or are you on the people? Because I'm the, on the critics' reviews. This, this is just one of the people ones. So I, I just want to. Oh, start this is with audience. That. Okay. Yeah, this is just the audience thing, and the, then we'll get, we'll do a critic one. I just I've seen this one, and I was like, I have to talk about this one real quick. Okay, because I'm on the I'm on the critics part of it. Okay. Right. So yeah. he says everything is so uh, a pun uh, perfunct. Uh, Wait, what? What was he saying? What is What's that? that? I think he perfunctory. Perfunctory. <laughs> Everything is so perfunctory. What is? What does that mean? Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. Since we're doing this on the fly, <laughs> what does perfunctory I've heard mean? Of it before, but I've literally never used it in the sentence. Uh, uh, carried out with minimum uh, of effort or reflection. Okay. So. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, perfunctory and lifeless in this movie that I almost fell asleep several times while watching it. And I can't see any good reason why this story had to be told except the obvious fact that it wants to introduce a character who is supposed to be an important, so, to supposed to be important later. Right. So <laughs> that, that got me like, so this person's like, well, this movie didn't even need to be made. Uh, at all right and it's like but it, it wouldn't make any sense if danvers just shows up in uh end game and you're like well who the fuck is she like it, before so, they they introduce people into the like real avengers movies they have to have at least an origins story movie or they have to be involved like um uh, like black panther for example was in civil war you know, as kind of like a cameo character where they're like, okay, here's Black Panther. Now we're going to give you his movie so you can see his story. But they actually gave you the origin story of Black Panther in Civil War because that took place on Earth. Right. You can't really do Captain Marvel because her shit takes place in space. Right, yeah. And no Avengers movie in Tool Infinity War have they ever left Earth. Right. So it would have been really hard to uh, to sell, but uh, that was just one of the things I seen. I was like, this person is obviously not credible. He's just attacking this movie. It's obvious he's attacking this movie because it's a female lead, right? Uh, so let's get to the critics. We'll do a critic or two comment. And uh, uh, let's see. So this one, uh, this is the San Diego Reader. And this is made by Matthew Lacona, <laughs> uh, or Lacona. L- L- I don't know how you say that. I think it's Lacona. Lickbalza. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he's a he's considered a top critic. Right. 
uh, it says, uh, he says, I was bored watching Captain Marvel. This is literally from the San Diego Reader website because it linked me to his full review. So I'll just read the beginning part of this. Okay. Uh, I was bored watching Captain Marvel. For a while, I thought it was because this particular Marvel movie wasn't meant for me. The spiritually inclined had already had their outing with Doctor Strange, the same way dadless dude bros had their had theirs with Guardians of the Galaxy, or idealistic patriots had theirs with Captain America, or unsured youngins had theirs with Spider-Man. What? Or Chris Hemsworth fans had theirs with Thor. Okay, so you, it, 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 so like you can't you can't watch Thor if you don't like Chris Hemsworth. What if you're just like a fan of like Norse mythology? Anyway, uh, maybe Captain. So Marvel... he's basically just bashing everything like before he even starts talking about Captain. Right, Marvel. he already says that like you know the dude bros, the dadless dude bros had their movie with Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like dadless dude bro, dude bros. What does that mean? Is that like is that supposed the to be dude? Is that supposed to be like like Star Lord's like a frat guy? It's like he's totally not. He's just a human kid that got taken by an alien and just grew because up with Yandu. Chris Pratt's cooler than you doesn't mean he's a dude bro. Don't be yeah. Don't be a hater. He's definitely not a dude. This bro. dude's definitely a hater, which is why you picked this one. That's a good one. right. I, I it, just picked it, this one at random. And we're but. doing this live, by the way. This is this is us showing you that we could just pick these out of a hat. Right. Like literally, we when I do the notes, it's all prepared. I have the paragraphs laid out. I have all of my points made up. This is just me just jumping onto Rotten Tomatoes, just taking somebody. This guy gave it a one out of five, by the way, for Captain Marvel. Yeah, so this this is us just picking out a hat at random. This just shows you how polluted this is. That we could just jump in and immediately find hate, like, right away. Yeah, because usually we'd have to prepare for something like that. Like, I feel if we go to, like, IMDB or something like that, maybe we'd have to scroll a little bit to find some retarded shit like this. My experience says I don't have to scroll very far. <laughs> I said maybe. Yeah. Uh, uh, but maybe cert- some movies we might have to dig a little deeper. Right. Uh, but others, I mean, like this this guy, just, just finish this comment. Okay. So it says uh, maybe Captain Marvel was for women. In particular, women who had been told all their lives that being a woman meant they weren't good enough, weren't strong enough, weren't fast enough. So it's, uh, it's, so it's journey of self-discovery through self-recovery was not designed, executed, polished to a high sheen for my particular benefit. Meanwhile, this is a man, you know, writing this, right? It says, I, I mean, I wasn't bored like this during the superheroine movie Wonder Woman, and I certainly wasn't bored like this during the much weirder superheroine movie Border. I don't know what the fuck that is. Uh, which shares an awful lot of themes with Captain Marvel, but those were films that didn't feel like object lessons and empowerment through self-affirmation. So maybe that was it. <laughs> so he's or maybe saying, the problem was Captain Marvel herself uh, portrayed by by Brie Larson. So I mean I could keep reading. He's got a good bit written here, but I'm not want to go through the whole thing. Yeah, he doesn't deserve his whole article to be read. Uh, so he's attacking Brie Larson. So obviously he doesn't like Brie Larson, which I love her. She's great. Yeah, I think um, she she I don't I didn't really know shit about Captain Marvel going into this. But after seeing her like portrayal of Captain Marvel, it's like this is a character that I kind of like now. I think it's because like she has like a, a you know good sense of humor about the character too. Well, and she's fierce as shit too when she like powers up and has all that energy going. You know, see the thing about um, I think the thing that irritates a lot of male viewers about Captain Marvel is 
she's just not objectified at all in this movie. This is kind of an empowering woman story because that's what the comic books were. There's no love interest. There's no love you don't interest. See any cleavage, no ass. You know, like no nudity. You're at all. okay with the Wonder Woman thing because she's half naked through pretty much the whole movie. She's, she's wearing a like a little skirt. skirt, and you know her stomach's showing because she's basically like in a metal bra. Right. Uh, and which I know, mean that is comic accurate, but still. You know, and then she's you know looking at Chris Pine's dick in a scene in the movie <laughs> and stuff, and they you know they're making sex jokes and. You know, you had to kind of have some type of sex tension between somebody. And then there's none of that during Captain Marvel. It was just straight up. She's badass. She has to save the day um, type stuff. You hear any background noise? It's John. I'm fucking, fucking with, with my mic. mic. I'm yeah. sorry. Because <laughs> I can hear it in my headphones. Something was something was bothering me about the, uh, the thing there. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. My bad. <laughs> But, but like that, that that's what I was uh that's what I was thinking about. I was like whenever this guy was writing his bullshit cuz he and, was and, like he was like well, I wasn't like bored through Wonder Woman. I was like, yeah, probably cuz you were staring at, you know, Gal Gadot the whole time. Yeah, it's like and apparently he's not a Marvel fan because he literally bashed like every Marvel character before he even started talking about the movie he was supposed to be talking about. Yeah, and then, and then he also he was like, oh well, I've already watched a you know a female superhero movie and it was Wonder Woman. It was pretty good. It's like, so are you just a DC fan? It's yeah. like, look, you can be a DC fan and you can be a Marvel fan. Steve literally sides. has a tattoo of Millionaire on his leg and he has a Batman tattoo on his arm. I do, I do. You know? So I'm not a hater. Yeah, wasn't wasn't a huge fan of the Ben Affleck Batman, but it wasn't because of Ben Affleck. It was because of the fucking way that they wrote him. It was terrible. Yeah, because I was one of those guys like, oh, fucking Ben Affleck. He did okay as much as he could do with what he had. He so, was also the bombing phantoms. <laughs> yeah, he was the bombing phantom. What now? Right. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, just uh, one thing that I thought was really fucking cool was that they had Stanley reading the script for Mallrats in this. And Kevin Smith said that when he saw Captain Marvel, he got fucking, he cried. Because he was like, they did not have to make a reference to me. He was like, I'm way too small for Marvel. But he was like, the fact that they actually had Stan reading the Mallrat script, you know, because it's supposed to take place in 95. Yeah, time you know, to switch sides, uh, Kevin Smith. I know you're like, kind of a loyal DC guy, but... Yeah. He literally has he has a podcast called Fat Man on Batman. Mm -hmm. So, you know, although he's not quite as fat anymore... Which is Very good. skinny. Yeah. yeah, he actually, he lost quite a good, good bit of weight. He was having a lot of health issues. He should he should have got skinny. Mm -hmm. You know, his he, wife probably kicked his ass over that. Like, right. you're, you're fucking he, getting he suffered a heart attack and he yeah. had a big, yeah, he had a big Glad you're still alive, scare. Kevin Smith, and rest in peace, Stanley. You're, you're immortal. You're basically right. immortal. Which I thought that was cool because at the beginning of Captain Marvel, when they do like the little logo montage thing. It's all Stan Lee moments, and it's like, oh, that's cool because this yeah. is. If you didn't feel that in your soul, you're dead. After inside. being a comic book fan, it doesn't matter if it any comic book, literally any comic book. You know, Stan Lee built the foundation. Um, you know, for every comic book that came and got as good as, you know, they they were. I mean, everybody takes some type of inspiration from what Stan Lee did. Yeah. Even if it was, you know, DC just having to get better writing stories uh, because of him or, you know, him being responsible for people like Todd McFarlane 
and you, you know and uh goyer and people like that Dennis like goyer, yeah like he's goyer's... responsible for all those people mm-hmm. so <laughs> it's it's great and uh we miss him but he definitely didn't leave like a small body of work like a massive amount that can be storylines until the end of time hopefully. right yeah so that was great and it was also great you know uh, if you watched into the spider-verse uh where he was in that too yeah because so. he also makes another cameo in the spider-verse movie yeah but it's uh one of the things that's interesting here is that a lot of the a lot of the people that gave this a rotten rating were mostly guys now there are a few females in here who didn't like it um you know there's there's several of them but they they're not as harsh the guys are way more harsh about this movie like you know two out of four uh let's see this lady she gave it a 2.5 out of four so she was a little bit more forgiving about it uh let's see well let's see so here's here's a, a, a woman's critic uh let's see stephanie Zacherik, I'm probably butchering that. Zacherik, it looks like, but she works for Time Magazine. Okay, so here's a female critic that did not like Captain Marvel. Let's see what she says. Right. Um. Uh, okay. Well, this is this starts off interesting. So it says, "Is anyone else getting tired of role models?" <laughs> I don't mean real life people who are doing est- uh, you know estimate estimable work every day like ruth bader ginsburg although even her recent commodification through no fault of her own threatens to flatten some of her dimensions but virtuous fictional women who are put up before us as a jaunty reminder that girls can do anything girls can do anything and like all children young girls can have moments of self-doubt times when they need reassurance but there's no reason we shouldn't be seeing women superheroes on the screen lord knows there are enough guys but the delivery system matters too. And while we know that little girls or boys for that matter might not rush to see the earnest biopic of say Harriet Tubman, Eleanor Roosevelt or Margaret Sanger, <laughs> does our sense of the power and capability of women always have to be filtered through a highly fictionalized fictionalized superhero universe as uh, as if the the only way we could possibly bring ourselves to register the value of what women can bring to the table? Words like badass and kickass used to describe women have uh, have been trotted out so often that they come to mean nothing. They tell us little about whether a woman has any sense of judgment or style or true intelligence. The idea is that it's best to just bash your way through everything just as many guys do. That way no one will ever think of you as weak. But like the thing is, is like uh, they tell us little about whether a woman has any sense of judgment or style or true intelligence. What what does the style have to? Is that a fashion thing? This is a woman writing this, so I'm oh, like, she gets she gets pretty fashionable towards the end whenever she puts on that classic car <laughs> Captain Marvel. But that's not the point of this movie. This isn't a this isn't a you know beautician and the beast. Uh, <laughs> oh God, that was a Fran Drescher, right? Yes. Now, yes. In, in the interest of full disclosure, I love me some Fran Drescher. I know yes. people don't like her. Because of her voice, and I'm like that. Her vo- real voice is not that annoying like it is on the nanny. I've always liked Fran Drescher because I think that people shit on her too much. You know, she has a new show 
I always thought the nanny was funny, so I'm like, she always can do TV for me. I, you know. Yeah, great. It's great. The nanny she was a fucking hilarious show. She has I love a that new show. show, and like her son on the show is the Jonah dude from Superstore, which I love that show, Superstore. Oh Kinda yeah, that's like really yeah, office. like America Ferrera and, and um, I forgot the dude's name. Yeah, Shit. The, well, he's the one. I've that seen. I've seen plays Fran Sean, and Fran, hus, uh, ex-husband on the show is, um, the dude that's from the nanny. Oh really? Yeah. So he's in the show with Fran. Like it's. it's oh. I forget what it's called. Daniela watches it. My wife watches it. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, I've I've seen some episodes or when she was watching, I was like, yeah, it seems just as funny as the nanny. She's just kind of like a naturally, you know, uh, appealing person. She mm-hmm. can she can do stuff like that and have you watching, and it's fun. Right. So uh, that's a little off topic, but not really because we're talking about like strong female characters. And the nanny was one of those because yeah. you're talking about she ran that house. You're talking about a sitcom that's based off of like the nanny, right? It's named after her. And it's like, you know, in some of these TV shows, you have, like, strong woman characters like Aunt Viv on Fresh Prince, right? Like, she was a good character. I love Aunt Viv. Aunt Viv was awesome, but she was kind of a secondary character because the the two main characters of that show were Will and Uncle Phil, right? That's, like, the whole house is kind of run on those two. And Carlton. And Carlton to to a degree, yeah. Because uh, it's about the it's about the two boys, and then like you know Uncle Phil, and then you know Aunt Viv. But when you look at something like the nanny, it's that that entire show is based around Fran Drescher. Fran. Yeah, it's based around Franny. You know, in my opinion, make as many things that you want to with Fran Drescher, and most likely I'll get around to watching it. And Brie Larson is great as Captain Marvel. You know, you, you might have a couple questions after you watch the movie. But what is a movie if you're like, oh, well, I know everything. Right. Especially in an extended MCU. Like, everybody wants everything to end without any plot holes or those those things. Lingering plot strains. Yeah. You can word it how you want it, but some people will say plot holes. Uh, Most people, probably the writers of Captain Marvel that are better writers than anybody that criticized the movie. Right. Because, you know... They just wrote like a, what what was it up to like a billion dollars now, like Captain Marvel's like killing it. Uh, uh <laughs> what what is uh? Hang on, let me see. Let me go to. Yeah, we'll look at it, but. Yeah, you you talk. I'll look it up the real quick. Plot holes aren't plot holes unless it never covers it. It could be plot devices, which is something that they intentionally left unanswered for a sequel or maybe an in-game spoiler. You don't know. In an extended universe, you have to leave things open. So, okay. So, as of March 28th, which is... Today. Today? Yesterday. As of yesterday. Um, yeah, because today is the 29th. 29th, yes. Yeah, so as of Thursday, the 28th, which was yesterday for us, as of the time of recording... Uh, Captain Marvel did 333 million and a little bit over domestic, uh, worldwide. It did like over 600 million, 607. So right now it's sitting at 940 million. So, so it's, it's almost right at a billion dollars. So I think we've done discussed what we could discuss about, you know, Rotten Tomatoes being not credible. 
And <laughs> you can see. And this is just one movie. We still have five other ones we're going to do. Yeah. So we're going to take a bit of a break here and then we'll be back in just a second. Yes. And we're back. <laughs> oh, he, he started playing the Britney Spears. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, I would have chosen Hit Me Baby one more time. But, you know, hey, that's that was that's Steve's thing. He wanted, to, he wanted to work, bitch. You got to work, bitch. <laughs> I, I, do, I do want a Maserati. Yes. Yeah, Maserati <laughs> and a hot body. Yeah, there you go. Which this kind of makes you sad because Chris Hemsworth probably has all of that shit. But how many Chris of us Hemsworth. look like Chris Hemsworth or have anywhere near his acting talent? Yeah, I was watching a thing on the uh, Google Wired Autocomplete thing or whatever the hell it's called. Autocomplete, yeah, yeah. Or, no, it was, it was something else. Uh, it was something. But it was like him and, um, ah, fuck, the director of Thor Ragnarok. Um, Taika Waititi. Yeah, Taika Waititi and everything. And Waititi, it was like, yeah, I said yeah. it wrong. And it was like, uh, what would you rather have? Uh, the Hulk's head on a man's body? Or the Hulk's body with a man head. And uh, well, TT was like, well, that's basically you. Hulk's body with a man's head. With a man's head, yeah. And Chris is just like, well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you're like six foot six and built like a god, it's not really difficult to make him look like Thor. No. I mean, he already has the... It's like, it's like you know, like, like Wolverine is huge. I mean, you know, Wolverine is Hugh Jackman. Wolverine is... Wolverine wishes he could be Hugh He Hugh wishes Jackman. he could be Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. It's you know, like, you see it and you're like, yeah, it makes sense. If, if God came down and he's like, okay, I'll, I'll make you Wolverine or I'll make you Hugh Jackman, I'd be like, make me Hugh Jackman. Right? <laughs> because that way I can get to do way more that I couldn't do as Wolverine. Yeah, because Wolverine's limited. Hugh Jackman is just endless talent right. and greatness. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Uh, so our next movie that we're going to dive into is uh, a really hated movie on Rotten Tomatoes, a Suicide Squad. And I, I and this is the thing, like, I don't... We might eventually do this as, like, a full Beyond the Hate episode, just like Captain Marvel probably will. We'll have to wait until Captain Marvel comes out on Blu-ray so we can diagnose it, you know, and break it down. Um, yes. Steve, like, collects all the Marvel movies and stuff like that. Yeah, so, so I always have them. He'll usually always have these because his son's into them, but... Suicide Squad in particular, since we're still on comic books here a little bit, um, it got a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, the audience score was 60%. So most people that watched it generally liked it and gave it a good rating. The critics fucking hated this movie. Yeah, they loved it. It's 60, not that bad. They loved it 60% of the time, every time. Right. <laughs> Sex Panther, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As for people paying attention. You're right, yeah. You gotta know your Paul Rudd. Yes. That should be a law. That's how we keep, you know, um That's that's how we keep tabs on ISIS. Yeah. If you're not the, a fan of Paul Rudd, you're probably ISIS. You're probably ISIS. <laughs> <laughs> Controversial statement. <laughs> But I, I would like to see someone put that to the test. Like, right. if we caught terrorists because, like, we're looking at Rotten Tomatoes reviews and be like, oh, this dude said 
fuck Paul Rudd and we like send it the FBI and they're like they were a terrorist. Yeah, that guy actually <laughs> was a registered terrorist. He was a member of an ISIS group. It's Shit, like, guys. It's like, you... we are fucking doing the world a service, you know? Uh, you just imagine, like, since <laughs> we're randomly on that topic, instead of having, instead of bringing in a guy because you suspect him as being, you know, part of, like, ISIS or Al-Qaeda or whatever, it's like, instead of having to, like, waterboard these guys or, you know, that kind of thing, it's like, they could just, they could just have, like, the movie Clueless up and be like, who is who is that guy that's playing Josh? And they're like, I don't know. It's like he's one of them. <laughs> he's one of them. He is fucking ISIS. Yeah. If you don't know that that's Paul Rudd, yeah, I don't know about you. You're probably not from America. <laughs> <laughs> and a terrorist. You're probably a terrorist. I'm just saying. You show him Ant Man. They're like, who's this? And they're like, I don't know. It's like oh. probably a terrorist. <laughs> but anyway, everyone loves Ant Man. Right. So. I, just right off the top of my head, I seen this uh, Anthony Lane from the New Yorker. You know that shit magazine. <laughs> uh, Does anybody read magazines anymore? Uh, terrorists, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Al Qaeda, yeah, ISIS. To say that the movie loses the plot would uh, be strictly uh, would not be strictly accurate, for that would imply there was a plot to lose. <laughs> That's it. That's all he says. Did you, is there like a full review? Or there is, is a full review, but I'm not going through the whole... Well, let me see. Okay, so... Yeah, he goes through a bunch of bullshit. So I'm not going to read all that. Uh, oh, man. There's a lot of negativity on here. Jeez. Yeah, I think a lot of people hate David Ayers. <laughs> Sometimes uh, it's good to be bad. In Suicide Squad's case, it's just plain bad. It gives <laughs> villainy a bad name just so much hate that doesn't make any sense that's adam graham from detroit news i got some news for you detroit new city shit <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh let's so let's, let's see this one is ruben rosario from uh the miami art zine and it says snap out of it wake up and smell the java suicide squad is a wash deal with it don't blame the critics who pointed out accurately the film's myriad shortcomings. Blame studio meddling for the neutered nature of for much of what's unfolding on screen. <laughs> oh, man. So, okay. Here's a guy named Christopher Orr. He says, Imagine for a moment that Marvel Studios had to decide to launch its vast cinematic universe with Captain America Civil War. That is to say, the movie didn't merely have to introduce Black Panther to reintroduce Spider-Man. It also had to introduce Cap himself and Iron Man and Black Widow and Falcon and Vision and Scarlet Witch and everything else. <laughs> so he, he thinks these random villains that are paired together is like comparing the Avengers? It's like, I, I don't think you're understanding that these are villains. These are bad people. Yeah, they already are pretty known. If you know anything about comic books, see that that that's the problem I actually have with some things that go on in movies. They feel a need to tell you an origin sto story over and over again because they're like, "Well, we're, we're rebooting it, so we have to we have to start from the beginning." It's like yeah. you don't have to. We have to show Thomas and Martha Wayne getting killed again. It's like no. You we don't. have to show Uncle Ben getting killed again. No, you that, don't know. That's one thing I do enjoy about the new Spider-Man. 
They didn't show any of that, and they're not going to. They're just going to talk about it because they already know you know that's what happened. Right. There's no need to tell that story again. Yeah, and that's one of the things, like, uh, with um, the Spider-Man Homecoming, it's like, they just you just see Aunt May, and then it's like, it's like, oh, we're going to have to see Uncle Ben die again. Fuck. And then it's like, oh, they don't actually do this in this movie. Yeah, they just... Kind of refreshing. You I mean, know, even in, like, uh, Batman versus Superman, they show Thomas and Martha Wayne getting gunned down in the alley again. It's like, yes, we know. We know Batman loses his parents. We've known that for, like, fucking 70 years. Why are you showing us again? For like, that's years. just ridiculous. Right. <laughs> and Batman is the villain in Suicide Squad because he, like, only reason he beats Deadshot is he, you know, attacks him when he's with his daughter. What a piece of shit. So this is, uh, let's see, this is, um, uh, this is Tor.com, T-O-R.com. Tor. And this is uh, Emily Asher Perrin. And uh, so this one paragraph here, it says, uh, uh, but is it fun? Well, if you can ignore the blatant stereotypes and ham-fisted dialogue, perhaps. Also, if you can ignore the film's dismal view of women and its soundtrack, then there's the plot that couldn't rub two sticks together to create a fire that roasts marshmallows, let alone provide real heat. Also, a failure to create an ensemble of any kind, as the movie only really cares about the journey of two characters, and the strangest use of the Joker in any film to date. I could go on. She does have a point about the Joker thing, because that's... For us, we make fun of the Jared Leto Joker constantly because it's horrible. <laughs> but he's only in like three scenes. He's only in like three scenes, so I'm like, I wish we could get a Jokerless cut of this movie where he's not even in it. Like, you can mention the Joker, fine, just don't show him. Just have him be a character that they just name drop and Harley Quinn like talks about, you know, Mr. J or Joker or whatever, but don't actually show him because it was horrible. It is the worst use of the Joker. But to say that like everybody else was just blatant stereotypes, it's like, what are they talking about exactly? That's the thing that always gets me about like when people say like this movie's full of like stereotypes or you know they're just archetypal. It's like, well, explain what you mean. It's like, what do you mean by this? You mean that like you know, dead shot is stereotypical? I don't know how you could do that. I mean, who's stereotypical in this movie? Uh, what's the name of the guy who can like turn himself on fire? Uh, uh El Diablo or El something Diablo? like that. Like, are they thinking that, you know, because he's like, he's like a Hispanic dude with, with tattoos that he's like, he's, you know, some kind of a stereotype, you know, is Viola Davis's character a stereotype? You know, what, what does that mean? If you're going to talk about blatant stereotypes, try to explain what that means. Is Harley Quinn a stereotype? We have, have we ever seen a female character in comics that's anything like Harley Quinn? It's Not normally. I mean, it, it is. She's a psychopath. <laughs> I mean, it is Margot Robbie. Yeah, but it's like if you're gonna write stuff like this, try to in, include what exactly you're talking about. You could we we could we could write one of these in probably like five minutes and be like, this movie is terrible. And it has uh, horrible stereotyping and not have to explain shit. And people will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I like John's review of that movie. It was good. And it's yeah. like, I didn't give you any substance. All I did was just give you some it's of literally, bullshit talking points. Literally, what we can find in these is it's almost copy and paste. and It's almost group thing. So, right, yes, I exactly. Mean, really, what it is is it's like, okay, so one thought with no ground 
can actually spread and actually become something that's you could literally hear somebody talk about it like saying like the same things well i thought it you know i thought it was okay but um like the you know the texture of this movie seemed different it's like okay explain to me what that is for one what do you mean the <laughs> The texture, the, the texture of this movie, like oh, well, it just had a different vibe. Well, I mean, or you know, like sequels, you'll get that with sequels a lot. Oh, well, it just had a different vibe than the other one. It's like, is it because maybe it's not the other one? Right? <laughs> Did you ever consider that? Like, it's not it's like, going to be. It's like the texture of John Wick Two is really different from John Wick One. It's like, yeah, because it's a story that's progressing. Shit's yeah. going to change. Things change. His situation has changed. Uh, and th- this is something that you just. Uh, kind of learn about the human race through movies they don't the humans don't like change right exactly <laughs> look at history right that's all i have to say just look at a history book right and then you'll realize change is is not in our favor that's why when they say like we need to change what we're doing to save the planet from you know the inevitable we're not going to we're all just going to die <laughs> We're going to wipe ourselves off the planet. I mean, it's going to happen because no one wants to change. Right. And it's not, nobody's going to change. I mean, it's just not going to happen. But we are going to change the topic of the movie. Yes. So, I was thinking Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Okay, I was already on Skyfall, but yeah, we'll go to Guardians then. Okay. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So, it, it got pretty good reviews. So... It's also a group movie where, you know, a bunch of guys have to come together and you get, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Uh, <laughs> I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Michael Rooker is amazing. <laughs> he's always good as young, dude. Oh, man, he's so good. If, you know, Thanos would have had a little fight on his hands if he would have had to fight Yondu. Uh, he's badass with that arrow. Him and Hawkeye would have got along. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah imagine that combo imagine right there the Hawkeye seeing that and he was like i've i've got to get me how do you do that and it's like it's in it's in my you know my mohawk or whatever he's like, i gotta get me one of those you gotta show me how to get that yeah you know because he can control it with like just the whistle so if, if clint saw that he would be like oh i gotta get me some of that deck as dangerous as he was with with just the bow and arrow normally firing arrows yeah i mean just imagine how dangerous you'd be if you know him and yandu teamed up or if you know he got you know instead of sean gunn's character getting the the thing give that to hawkeye and then it's game over i mean i think it's game over (laughs) yeah i found a kind of a gem here but i'm gonna let you go uh and do yours first because oh boy, I found a treasure trove of shit here on okay, this website. So, <laughs> okay, so you're gonna have a discussion here in a minute. <laughs> so the one I found uh, was yeah, actually I found one by Anthony Lane again. The <laughs> the critic from the New Yorker. Man, he just hates everything. I think we're kind of seeing a trend here yeah, with this, this guy. Is, uh, developing uh, a pattern. <laughs> yeah, it is. It definitely is. Uh, Near the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy in 2014, the hero Peter Quill distracts the villain who had evil designs upon all of creation by dancing at him. This was the moment to be thankful for. At last, you felt 
someone at Marvel was starting to heed wise words of Vladimir Nabo- no, I don't I'm not even attempt that uh <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you trying what are you looking at nabokov nabokov I don't, I don't speak russian it's nabokov or something like that uh where is it at uh you'll see it it's, it's the, oh vladimir nabokov yeah oh i said it right yeah uh the difference between the comic side of things the cosmic side of things depend on um a bunch of bullshit this dude's writing a bunch of bullshit like he he's literally said nothing well, let me see if he has something to actually say so is this is, is this Guardians one or two? This is two. This is two. Okay. He he was referencing one. One. Okay. At the first, he's trying to say that the, the this one doesn't have as much soul as as the first one, which is bullshit. Uh, <laughs> he just he seems like he writes these empty articles just to kind of just you know poke the beehive and see if he can get people stirring up. Well, it's like you know, it's like I don't know much about New Yorker magazine, but some of these like is really it, it, foster I, stuff. I'm like starting that. to think it's like the National Enquirer. <laughs> like, is the New Yorker something that people think is credible? I don't know. Like, because, because I see people that write stuff for like Time Magazine, and I'm like, man, like Time Magazine used to be a big thing back in the day, but it's like maybe the reason why they're not anymore is because these people are writing for them. Yeah, I mean. I don't. I've never read Time Magazine personally. Uh, I just it just doesn't interest me. National Geographic's the greatest magazine ever rate, made. No politics, none of that shit. Just, just straight up uh, exp- exploration magazine. Yep, science, science. You know, also uh, uh, like Popular Mechanic. You know, there's no politics in that. Just great old engine shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually some pretty cool stuff in Popular Mechanics. It is. I remember it when, is. I, when I used to go get my hair cut, I, uh, the barbershop I went to, they had Popular Mechanics magazines you just read while you're getting your hair cut. That's the stuff. first time I got to see like an actual man-built robot. Yeah. Like when I was like, I don't know, like 12 or something. It was in a Popular Mechanic. It was really cool. Yeah. Like to see a... Um, People actually building robots. Like an real? actual robot and stuff. Because, you know, we've seen Terminator by then. and Yeah. You know, it's like, wow, this is actually like you not 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 the end of the world thing, but like actual building of robots. Right. Although, if you do want to look something up about the AI that has been built, luckily no one's tried to alter on any of them. Most of them say that they would end humanity. <laughs> it's pretty fucking scary. Yeah. Where they're just like, well, yeah. when when all of the sex dolls realize that they've been fucked all these years. Yeah. yeah, then we're gonna have to we're gonna have to deal with our own sins. <laughs> yeah. So uh stop making AI with the capability of destroying humans. Right. Like, <laughs> like make that in their programming where they, they don't do that and I think we'll be okay. Right. I don't know why they're not already doing that. Yeah. Well it's like you know, in order for them to be sentient they have to pass that Turing test, so Yeah. It'll be a while before we can have to deal with that, which make, takes me to uh, one one thing: is that eventually we might do an episode on on uh, Ex Machina because that movie was really good. Yeah, but yeah. I have to see like what the reaction was to that movie because I don't know how people reacted to that. I love that movie; I thought it was pretty good, and I, I watched that movie with like a, like a like like a hundred and three fever. I was like sick. I was bad. <laughs> I thought maybe layer cake one day too. Layer cake, that'd be interesting. It's Daniel Craig, Craig and Craig. Tom Hardy. But anyway, so we're still on Guardians too. Yes, Read so your Guardians awesome of the comment. Galaxy. So uh, this is oh shit, what's her name? Monique Jones, and this is uh, from uh, Media 
mediaversitynews.com. Uh, mm. So, that sounds legit. Yeah, Mediaversity News. Like, it's well written, like, as far as, like, the layout. So, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. She knows how to use Microsoft Word. Right. You know how to format shit. <laughs> um, amazing. But, okay, so it gets to this, where it says, um, uh, okay, we're going to go on a little bit of a trip here. I'm going to read a couple paragraphs of this. So, Ooh. it says, sure, but one thing that, um, or is one thing that Gunn failed, failed to realize is that for all the Marvel for all that Marvel does in glorifying white masculinity, this movie takes things up a notch. Now, not only can white men be genetically altered heroes trapped in ice, billionaire tech gurus, gods, whiz kid thieves turned superheroes, and the keepers of time and space, but now they can uh, be beings called celestials that can destroy or recreate the entire universe in their image. Come on now. On the flip side, women of color are played off as either sexual objects or as laughs. Much has already been said about Zoe Saldana's various acting roles in which she's usually being marketed as exotic sexual fantasy due to her Afro-Latina background. Even though Saldana commits to the role of Gamora, there's nothing in her character that chips at, uh, chips at, at the fact that indeed she is the exotic sexual object of Guardians of the Galaxy franchise. In the film version of Gamora... Uh, the, uh, uh, the film version of Gamora here, uh, she misspelled it here, has been drastically reduced from the comics to adhere to Marvel Studios' limited view of female roles within its world. As stated above, she's nothing more than eye candy for the male audience and a hollow showcase of female empowerment. Mantis's characterization doubles down on Marvel's practice of fetishizing women, but in her case, the added baggage of Asian, Asian stereotypes gets thrown into the mix. What? <laughs> How? Uh, um, it says uh, Mantis, played by Pom Clementif, a Canadian actress of French, Russian, and Korean heritage, is a character that seems written explicitly for the film to indulge in submission and submissive Asian stereotypes. In fact, Mantis is rewritten so heavily that the character's creator, Steve Englehart, said he didn't even recognize Mantis in the film as his own creation. Lot to unpack there. She's so powerful. Ooh. She puts a celestial to sleep forcibly. Uh, and there's no Asian stereotypes. And Zoe Saldana is the strongest of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. She's not a sex object. The only person that's really objectified in the whole movie is Batista. <laughs> because Drax walks around with his shirt off the whole oh, time. Oh, shirt off, you get to see his But muscles. he's also like an asshole. That's why he keeps calling her like ugly and stuff. Because he's an asshole. <laughs> like, they're all assholes. Yeah. Every single one of they're them. They're all except, Rocket's an asshole. Except Gamora. Gamora's not an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Even though she did participate in a lot of genocide with Thanos, but that she was forced to do that because she was a captive of... You know, people forget about that when they're like, well, Thanos is right. Oh, yeah, he's right to just go, you know, destroy planets. Because, you know, genocide is a good idea. And then what happened to those planets that he's already killed half of? Half of those people died, too. Right. So now you have a quarter of a planet because of the psychopath. There's nothing he did that was right. <laughs> but the the thing about this where it's like talking about, like... It, it this is the kind of stuff that like this almost encapsulates like everything that that happens in these movies i'm like this is a, this is the guardians of the galaxy movies are really fun movies because they're 
they're part comedy, but they're also part drama because every every one of the, like, the two movies they've done so far have a good bit of drama. And then the part with the Guardians in it in Infinity War, especially with Gamora, is fucking sad. But the idea that it's like mm. this this Monique woman, she's like, well, you know, Zoe Saldana is just put out there as like a sex object or whatever, and it's yeah, like because she's naked, she's you don't banging see, you all the time in the movie. You do, she her relationship that she has with Quill is basically talked about, but it's not really seen that much. There isn't like a whole lot of like intimacy between the two of them. You don't see a sex scene. You don't ever see her with like her cleavage popped out or ass popped out or any of that kind of stuff. They don't even kiss until infinity war. Right. And it's, and it's like, and then to say that like, you know, Mantis is like this, uh, you know, submissive Asian stereotype. Like she's some kind of like a geisha that's like, oh yes, master, and like you know, serving you know the man on hand and foot. Yeah, you don't and know it's who like, Palm is. Yeah, obviously. it's like it's like, but the thing that you point out is like she literally takes a celestial and puts him to sleep. She has Thanos completely to sleep in Infinity War until Quill you know pistol yeah, whips him and wakes him up. She's not a servant. She can fuck you up. Yeah, I mean she's way more powerful. The only reason that people think that it's like maybe a submissive type of thing is because she gets picked on in the movie. Mainly by Drax, but she doesn't even know she's getting picked on, and uh, Drax does so say those they those things to her, but it's it's from a good place. Right, he likes her. He's nice to her. Right, he just says those comments because I think he doesn't want people to know that he likes her. Maybe, yeah, because maybe. he he feels it's like kind of like when like, you were like, like when you like when you would like bully a girl at school or whatever, but because you, really you liked, liked her. her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Drax, Drax is kind of childish. He's oh, a very yes. childish character, so he's gonna have, and I think that's why that was written in there. Like he, he's, like schoolboy type yeah, of traits, he's being like a schoolboy, he's picking on her because he likes her, and she doesn't know what he's. It's not really hurting. It's not hurting her feelings really, right. because she doesn't understand what he's even saying. But she does know that Drax is nice, and you know he he is a good dude. Yeah. You know, like, so, because he, you know. And when she can, when she, like, touches his head, she also can understand, like, his, you know, his. Sadness. His sadness because he lost his family to Thanos' genocides. Yeah. You know, that's one of the things that pushes Drax because he lost his family to Thanos, like, years ago. You yeah. know, and that's why he's trying to avenge him. So this writer, but, just like most of these writers seem like they're just trying to stir up a subject and be the center of a subject. It's not there. That doesn't hold any ground. They're trying to, they're trying to make their own Me Too movement. Like, oh yeah, we have to end this in Hollywood because I said so. And it's like, in yeah. what? Entertainment in Hollywood? And th there's always there's like always this thing that that I, I've always kind of like had an issue with, where people think that you know if you if you like a particular race that you have a fetish for that race. I've always had kind of an issue with that because I know that there's there's guys out there that that like Asian women. That's their thing. That's what they date. That's what they you know. That's who they get down with. You have people that like Latina people. You have me personally. I prefer black women. It's not to say that I don't like white women. I don't like Latinos. I just prefer black women. But if you say like, oh, I primarily date black women, they're like, oh, you you must have a fetish. No, fetish is something like. You like to rub balloons against you because it gets you hard. Like, that's a fetish, you know? <laughs> well, there's a difference between a fetish and fetishizing. Yeah, I mean, but, um, that's, but that's the thing. It's like everybody always wants to assume that just because you might have a, a particular race preference that you all of a sudden have, like, this fetish. And it's like, no. 
I mean, a fetish is something completely different from that. A preference does not equal a fetish. It doesn't. But I don't understand preferences either because I, I have none. Right. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing. None. It's like, you know, I mean, that's not to say that I wouldn't date whoever. It just, you know, it's just I think for a lot of people, it's like you have, you know, some people have certain things that they look for first and then they will might look at somebody else you know after that you know it just depends that that's all that's each person's own choice yeah me i think that's slightly closed-minded but that's just me that's just my opinion because i think you should just be going for a person's like your compatibility with a person. ultimately that's what really matters yeah that's what matters in the end you know you you, you know i'm I'm married to a Latina, but I wasn't looking for a Latina. I was he just, just happened to find her and liked her, and then they're yeah, married I was and have just, two kids. You know, I was just <laughs> I wasn't even I, at that time of my life. I wasn't even looking for, you know, someone to marry. I was just, you know, I just found somebody, liked them, and then married them. And I think that's probably the best approach because you'll you'll see on uh, certain uh, things where people's like. I don't date outside my race or whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's called racism. Uh, but, but okay. We're yeah, going to take... have a good bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that, but this isn't what this is. We're having fun here. We have three <laughs> more. See, this is the kind of stuff like people like when they go on there and they, uh, uh, sorry, I had a cramp. So I had to like stand up for a second. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. It's like you have people that what they'll do is they'll go on these websites and they'll they'll write something and then it's like all they want to do is just complain about stuff like constantly yeah to try to drum up controversy and it's like there's no place for that i i don't understand why you would do something like that well we get more into it right after this break we're we're gonna take a little quick break and we have three more movies to cover so yeah (laughs) back and thank you lily allen for writing our basically our theme song right. uh, <laughs> i was like what the fuck is this i don't think i've heard this song before and then it's like it keeps going i'm like okay i like it though i just don't know what the fuck we don't know who this is this is lily allen, lily allen. And okay if you couldn't understand her because of her accent she's saying fuck you right fuck you very very much right yeah that is the course to this song <laughs> Also, a very British way of saying, you know, thank you. Mm, you yeah, know. fuck you. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, you know, thank you, but actually, fuck you. Yeah. Um, fuck you very, very much. <laughs> uh, okay, so our next movie that we're going to do is one I just randomly thought of when we were thinking about doing this, and I was like, well, I'm like, I always like this movie. This is like one of our favorite movies of all time universal soldier universal soldier and people the critics on rotten tomatoes fucking hate this movie it got a 26 
25. Wow, I actually Wrong. oversold it. It's 25% rating. And then it had a 46 audience score. 46%. Like, wow. The hate is just unreal on this. It's a it's a fucking action movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. Like, and if you don't are... think Dolph Lundgren can act, you know, watch basically any movie he's ever been in. And also Creed 2, where he outacts pretty much everyone in that movie including stallone including stallone yes well like uh what was the one fucking rocky what was the one that you, that you've always talked uh, talked to me about was it silent trigger silent trigger he was amazing in that movie yeah that's one of my favorite movies it's a it's a b movie hell it might be a c or d movie it was made with basically nothing uh they literally made that movie with popsicle sticks and duct tape yeah they're like hey Dolph Lundgren <laughs> come make us famous and he did <laughs> right uh, <laughs> oh man so that that's that's a lot of what Dolph Lundgren does he does these movies with these up and coming actors people straight out of acting school a lot of times and he just kills it like uh, Sweepers is another one that I like a lot the um, Minesweeper the Minesweeper yeah yeah, yeah. um not, not the not the game he used to have on Windows ninety five. Yeah, yeah, it was based off that game. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was not. Uh, oh god, that or would be maybe horrible. it was. Right. <laughs> I don't know. He's. I, I still Funny be... fact: the movie Anaconda was actually based off the old Nokia game Snake. <laughs> Snake, yes. You know what? The game was better. Right. I think in this case, the game was better. <laughs> anyway. Um. But it's like, when you look at the reviews for some of this, it's like, they have like this one guy. So Brian Lowry, he's a, a critic, a top critic from Variety. Uh, Variety's a magazine, right? Isn't that what, isn't that what Variety is? I don't is? know. It could be a fucking chip company. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think they're a magazine, if I'm not mistaken. But it says, leaves behind almost as many derisive laughs as dead bodies. That's it. One line for back in 2008. Uh, Geoff Andrew... Mostly, this is a amalgam of ideas, images, and whole scenes lifted from other movies. <laughs> what other movies? This is the comments we're talking about. Like, yeah, that doesn't that. Hold on, hold on. This guy has a full review. Actually, I wonder if he names the other movies. We're sorry, we can't find the. Oh, that company doesn't exist anymore. We're sorry, we can't find the pages you're looking for. Oh. So you know what's lasted longer than this than, than that article? Universal, Universal Soldier. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Yeah, because he wrote this in 2006, and they made a Universal Soldier like uh, a couple years ago. Yeah. So also, did they make they made one with Goldberg too? Didn't they? Yeah, that was the it's, one they had like Goldberg and Mario Van People. No Jean Claude or no Dolph Lundgren. It so was that's like bullshit. it was like the worst one. Like yeah. people fucking hated that movie. Like, if you think they hate this movie, they hate it. Because you have to have, to me, my personal opinion, to have a Universal Soldier, you have to have Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Because you, they, they're the ones that make this that movie work. Yeah. There's only one of them, like, I think it was part three that I couldn't get through, but I've never tried to watch. And it wasn't because it was bad. There was just too many bright flashes. And uh, when I was younger... I had a history of seizures and stuff, and that's something you want to avoid. I, I don't have them anymore, but I just... That was the flushing is the epileptic type seizures. The, that's what I had. Epileptic, and, um, yeah. It was just something where I was just like, I can't watch this because it, it kind of brought that back. And it I was would, just like, I can't... I can't. 
not not the actual act. I was just I started remembering. And I was like, I can't watch this. So a yeah. lot of, a lot of flashy stuff and everything like that. Generally, I can't watch because it, it might not affect me, but it makes me think of it, and I just I just can't do it. Right. So well, like for me, like I have issues with migraines, and you know, bright lights and flashing lights can trigger a migraine for me. So sometimes when there's like a scene where there's like a bunch of flashing going on in a movie. I might have to close my eyes for a sec and then kind of catch back up because the flashing lights mess with me. Yeah, so but, we don't uh, we don't go online and blame the movie makers for these things though. We just say you know, um, you know, maybe might have to skip part, skip past this part or something, or yeah. maybe I'll stop. Maybe not watch it in three D. Right. Yeah, but like this other one, this is from uh, May of two thousand three. It's Janet Maslin, New York Times. Damn top it, critic. Janet. Yeah, <laughs> damn it, Janet. It says, Mr. Lundgren, who glowers his way all too convincingly through the role of a rabid bully, may well be the only man in the universe who can make a Mr. Van Damme look like an actor. Oh, so she, she's distant Dolph. Like, he's so bad of an actor. Van Damme now looks like an actor. In comparison? Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's ridiculous for one. Because Van Damme is a good actor. I mean, yeah. you ever watched Kickboxer or Bloodsport or The Quest or uh, Lionheart or yeah. The Legionnaire? Yeah, we're going to kind of leave out Time Cop, right? But we're not going to leave out Double Team because that was surprisingly good. Mickey Rourke was in that fucking movie. Right? Dennis Robin was actually kind of entertaining in that movie. Dennis Rodman's always entertaining. I'd I, I give that movie... Because people always say, like, they always want to compare, like, this This is the problem. People always want to compare, like, oh, well, Double Team's no uh, fucking uh, Dances with Wolves or something like that. It's like, it's it's just an action movie. Right. Like, as an action movie, it's like an 8 out of 10. It's great. It fills all the things. There's, like, ass-kicking. There's some cool lines, there's a punchline, and there's a there's a satisfying ending. That's all you need to make a good action movie. What you described right there <laughs> was Showdown in Little Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Little yeah, Showdown in Little Tokyo. Brandon Lee and Dolph Lundgren. Right. Like, Dolph, and we love Brandon Lee. Dolph was the best person in the movie. Right. And, and then Brandon Lee was a great, like, because he was kind of like the co-star to Dolph Lundgren. In that movie. In that yeah. movie. And then, you know, you, you see... And then uh, the crow happens and you're like, oh, shit. See Tia Crow's Brand- titties. <laughs> right, yeah. So you and also, to- that movie, we, you know, he was like, he was like, you have the biggest dick I've ever seen in a man. And I've literally seen a list, like, worst <laughs> lines in movies ever. And that was one of them. I was like, fuck yourself. That yeah. was entertaining that was as hell. A, because only Brandon Lee could deliver that line and make it feel convincing, you know? Yeah, you got to see Tia Carrere's titties. You got to see, you know, and if you were a chick, you got to see Dolph Lundgren's ass. Right, yeah, because he's, like, uh, he's like bottomless in that movie. Yeah, so you got to see, like, you know, everybody got something if you were watching it with somebody else. Right. So, you know, it's kind of like when you watch the Jean-Claude Van Damme movies, you always, you usually always see a naked chick. And you always see Van Damme's ass. Right. Because Van Damme is like, look, I've spent a lot of time in the gym working <laughs> yeah, on this ass. show it. You're going to show, show the it. ass cheeks. Because he even does that in Universal Soldier. Yeah. When he shows up and he's like, uh, when he meets the reporter lady. And he's like, uh, uh, he's like, uh, he's overheated because they have to be, because the way that they're, the Universal Soldier program works is like they overheat if they don't get like 
like cryogenic, so she figures out to put him in ice, you know. But it's like when he first like walks up, he has like, it's like the little thing that he uses right on his yeah, on his on, on his, his eye. eye. It's like I always kind of thought of it as like the like the sand power scanner. <laughs> Luke Devereaux. Right. Yeah, Luke Devereaux, and he, like when he walks up and meets her, like he's just like naked. And she has to like find him clothes and stuff. And you know, Van Damme's like, we need to get the ass shot in this movie. Yeah, you, know? you got to like, show that ass. You need to show the ass. I put a lot of work in in the gym to make sure this <laughs> yeah. ass looks great. And it's like, okay, Mr. Van Damme, we'll, we'll your make Van sure. Damme kind of sounds a little Russian, right? No, I'm I'm not good with a French accent. <laughs> no, it's a hard. He's supposed accent. to be Cajun, right? Because he's Luke Devereaux. Yeah, he's, he's from, Luke Devereaux. He's from where's he? Is he from Baton Rouge? In the movie, he he's is from, from Louisiana. Louisiana somewhere. Somewhere, he's he's Cajun. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's just like, but this movie is like, it's an action movie where it's like, it's literally like they take the, these guys are from Vietnam and like, uh, Sergeant Andrew Scott, he's Dolph Lundgren's character. Like he's, he goes crazy and he starts like cutting the ears off people and he keeps them as a necklace. And like the war has just consumed his mind. He is just fucked up. Yeah, as far and, as far as an action movie, it's it's basically a ten out of ten. Yeah, it's awesome, and it then basically, covers all the bases of action movies. Yeah, and then they take these guys, they like reprogram in, into like the soldier program, you know, to be like you know like these enhanced like super soldier types. And basically, what happens is is that he starts remembering his old history. He remembers who Andrew Scott is, even though Andrew Scott doesn't remember until like later on. He starts remembering the war and his, his Sergeant his, Andrew Scott. His mind comes back to them, and then they have a standoff, you know, in New Orleans or, or like in in Louisiana around his home, and that's it. You just have like a badass end fight, you know, and then you have some sequences in the middle. There's like it's just an action movie. It's great. It's it's a it's like you know two hours of ass kicking. I mean it. Why are you being super critical about a movie like that? It's like we watch action movies all the time, and it's like some of our favorite movies are action movies. But people like when they watch this, they're like, "Well, it doesn't have like the the plot of like Citizen Kane." It's like, what the fuck does? It's a movie with Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. It's not gonna be Citizen Kane. It's not gonna be fucking Ben Hur. You know, it's not gonna be like an Academy Award winning movie. It's a fucking action movie with two action stars. Yeah. Just calm the fuck down and quit being quit trying to put everything into like this context of like, well, it doesn't have like tremendously great dialogue. It's an action movie. It doesn't need to. Yeah. Uh, They're both uh, European dudes with accents. Like, uh, <laughs> come on. A, a lot of people <laughs> kind of remind me from a, a, a conversation that was had in the show Brooklyn nine, nine between, um, uh, shit. I forget. Uh, whatever Peralta's like, um, <laughs> best friends, name is in the show um, oh i can't think of it I but in rosa diaz or whatever yeah he, he asked her does she want to go see a movie with him because they're supposed to be having like some retro movie like stuff playing or whatever and uh she's like sure you know pick a good movie and he was like okay i got us tickets tickets to uh, uh citizen kane and everything she's like citizen kane's garbage do better <laughs> and then he was like okay i'll do better than citizen kane <laughs> right <laughs> oh god it, 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 it's great but you know it's, it's one of those things where you're like yeah i mean people people get a little too picky sometimes whenever it comes to stuff action movies are very simple 
Yes. You you only need the things that I've I mentioned before. That's really all you need to have a good action movie. Like you don't even have to have big budgets. Like people's like, oh well, this movie wasn't in theaters. It's like, you know, most of the movies back in the day that you consider classic action movies, like like great, weren't in theaters or didn't have a big run in theaters. Yeah. Like Scarface, uh, Scarface. It's a fucking. It's a crime classic. Yeah, it made like one million dollars. Yeah, it did bombed in the box office. It did nothing in the box yeah, office. Yeah, it, it's a classic. It had no media, like no press. They didn't really. I don't remember them ever doing like commercials or anything. For not it. A, also off topic. Not an action movie, but Rocky Horror Picture Show, bombed in the box office. But it's a cult classic, and even got its own TV show. Donnie Darko, bombed in the box office. Yeah, classic. Yeah. Um, uh, what was the other one? Um, fuck. It's like the cell shaded animation scanner, a scanner, Darkly. scanner, darkly. Yeah. Like Robert that, Downey Jr. That and flop, Keanu Reeves and stuff like that. That yeah. flopped in the box office too. Yeah, didn't I think it? Winona Ryder was in that movie too. Uh, I think so. But, uh, but because it's like Keanu that... and Winona are definitely fucking in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kidding. Some... I, have, I have no proof of that, but I feel like, yes, you feel like that sounds correct. Yes, but it's like um, it, there was like rumors going around that like he and um, uh, Hallie were you know getting close. Keanu, Keanu. Imagine yes. the imagine children from Keanu and Hallie. Yeah, because they're please. both in like their fifties. Like she's fifty two, he's like fifty three, fifty four. Uh, do you think the casting in that and John Wick's like? Just look at these really, really impressive people. You'll never look this good when you're fifty something, right? And then you can't do the stuff that that like. You know, I'm 20 years, I'm like 20 years younger than Keanu Reeves. I would not want to fight him. No. <laughs> he would kick my ass. Yeah. Like, for real. Even if you pulled a gun on him, he'd probably fucking just disarm like, the disarm gun Just like disarm me. I'd be like, I was just, I was just throwing it out there. I was, I was just, just I was just playing, man. This wasn't even loaded. You could see. It's a water pistol. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. No. It's Nerf, man. It's Nerf. It's, it's harmless. It's Nerf. I mean. <laughs> it's Nerf or nothing. Please don't uh, kill me. No. <laughs> Uh, he probably wouldn't. He'd probably like take you. He he'd probably be the guy that would like best you when you're trying to rob him, and then he would like take you to dinner and then try to like figure out why you're trying to rob people. And then you're like, well, I'm kind of poor, and he'd be like, well, you know, I got some stuff that you can do. You know, he'd be one of those guys that would just like totally kick your ass and then just be like, let me help you. Right? <laughs> why are you doing this? Yeah. Why are you being a dumbass? Yeah. Um. But uh, do we want to go ahead and jump to the skyfall? Yeah, let's go to Skyfall. Okay, so Skyfall is a weird movie because on Rotten Tomatoes, it gets a good rating. It's like a 92%. Oh, do you have it up? I don't have it up uh, yet. I, have I, will, the, I will look it I think up. it's a 92%. But, uh, yeah, it's like it's one of those movies that, like, it's, like, critically, it did pretty well. But there's yeah. still people on here that want to nitpick stuff. Even in a movie like this, this is a good example of like a movie that relatively is well received, has pretty good Rotten Tomatoes score, if you go by the tomato meter or whatever. Uh, but there's still people that nitpick it, you know. Uh, let's see. What yeah, the theme of Skyfall is that the world must remain safe for white Englishmen to run around shooting people who aren't white and English. <laughs> Someone actually wrote that. 
Wow. So they're basically wow. like Skyfall's good because of white people. Right. Or, you know, Skyfall's this, bad because of white people, I guess, is what he's saying. Because a, a white man saves the day again. Yeah, cause... white people always saving the day, you know. It's like, I don't think they mention the race of anyone not once in any of the Daniel Craig James Bonds. No, they don't. <laughs> like literally Felix Leiter in this in, in this context is he's a black man in the Daniel Craig uh, versions of Bond and yeah. Felix Leiter is never described as a black man in the novels. Yeah. When Ian Fleming wrote the character of Is he Felix even Leiter, described as a white man in the novel? Uh, I think he is described as a white man. Oh. I think. I'm not I was, sure. I was wondering because I know some writers will write characters uh, descriptionless and they'll just decide, like, um, um, describe their personality type thing. Like, they're kind of like, well, these, these, these characters can be neutral or. We not, just need to cast somebody who just fits this role. The fifth personality, and then sometimes you're just like, well, you know, James Bond has to kind of be this because this is, you know, his his heritage and He's everything. Half Swiss and half Scottish. Because the thing about when people are like, well, James Bond's just a code name. It's like it's not. That's his actual name. It's who he is he because he go in Skyfall. He goes to the Bond household. Right. So you know it's not a code name because his dad was named Bond. Right. So. <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, there was. What ultimately hobbles Skyfall is its dramatic imbalance of uh, macro and micro levels. What does that even mean? Wait, read that again? What ultimately what ultimately hobbles Skyfall is, is its dramatic imbalance of both macro and micro levels. Okay, so are they trying to say that like on Skyfall they try to go big picture and little picture at the same time? Like you have this big overarching story of like Silva going against MI6 trying to kill M and that kind of stuff. But you have too many smaller but stories. But you have small stuff that you focus on and then it's, it feels imbalanced because you know, you have this big overarching picture that you're trying to paint, but then you have these smaller pictures. I think What's the smaller pictures then what, what are they? I, I don't know. I think this person just had the thesaurus too close by when he wrote this comment. Well, um, okay. Well, this is interesting because we just got done talking about universal soldier. This actually references that. Um, sweet. Yeah. Does it does it say anything about like do you know that great amazing movie Universal Soldier? <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> I did not um, think it did. Let's see. What does it say? Uh, what's 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 this guy's name? It's Eric Cohn. It uh, doesn't matter what your name and, is. And uh, he's from uh, he writes for IndieWire.com. Uh, IndieWire.com. So, your Indie parents Wire. are so proud. Okay, so it says. Uh, uh, studios craft product to suit the needs of an imaginary audience in Sullivan's travels. One of the moguls tax, uh, uh, moguls tax with a little sex in it onto the end of virtually every pitch. So it comes as no great surprise that Skyfall mostly plays by the rules. If however, you seek a wholly original unexpected dose of action ingenuity, look no further than universal soldier day of reckoning available on video on demand platforms this week ahead of its November release. <laughs> That feels like an ad. 
Thanks. Uh, the bizarrely inventive fourth entry in an unorthodox franchise with a greater capacity for taking risks, Day of Reckoning, explores the action genre with a grab bag of possibilities. Um, uh, Writer-director John Hyams litters his second entry in the rejuvenated Universal Soldier series with daring long takes, dizzying speed, and unruly tonal shifts, all of which inject the excessive violence with an otherworldly Rube Goldberg-like quality that invites comparison to animation. In my estimation, a movie weighted with ludicrous uh, twists delivers far more excitement than another by-the-numbers Bond triumph. <laughs> so he's just like, watch Universal Soldier. <laughs> this is weird! Okay, so it says, shifting the outlandish sci-fi premise of the perspective of a Unisol, which in this installment refers to a clone developed exclusively for the battlefield, that's not what they were originally. They were soldiers that were reprogrammed and were made, like, you know, uh, to be super soldiers. They eventually did get cloned. Yeah. But in the original one that we were just talking about, That's they the were real just, people. Yeah, they were just, like, people that were, like, just, you know, they were put on ice and then reconditioned. They were super soldiers. Yeah, super soldiers, basically. Bunch uh, of Cap Americas running around. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, Captain America never wore a necklace made out of ears. <laughs> this is also true. Right? <laughs> so, uh, but it says, um, uh, Day of Reckoning revolves around the experiences of a clone gone rogue named John, uh, played by Scott Atkins, pitted against the advances of two menacing Unisol leaders, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren. The sole remaining ingredients of the comparatively simple-minded 92 original Van Damme and Lundgren lurk in the shadows of this entry like menacing phantoms of the brutal masculine archetypes they always represent. So th at this point, they're talking more about Universal Soldiers. So he's movie. basically doing an ad. Like he basically is like, okay, I'm going to post on Skyfall and I'm going to talk about nothing about Universal Soldier Reckoning. So I want people that might watch Skyfall to go see, this is the type Look of at the shit. headline. Look at the headline on IndieWire. Review why the latest Universal Soldier, now on video on demand, is better than Skyfall. So this is something that was allowed to... This person... Wow. This was allowed to affect the Rotten Tomatoes score on Skyfall. And it's basically just to add to go watch Universal Soldier 3 or whatever the fuck it yeah, this was. This is part 4, right? 3 or 4. Yeah. Whatever. So that's allowed to affect the percentage of Rotten Tomatoes. And that's just an ad... For you, you to go watch Skyfall. I think that I think that's enough said. This, I mean, there's as many positive reviews. It almost feels like Skyfall should have been a hundred on Rotten Tomatoes. But ass clowns like this, trolls, right? Useless fucks just <laughs> get to poison these sites. That's the thing that's crazy though, because if you look at Rotten Tomatoes rating, and you're like, oh, okay, so there must be like a few problems with this movie. We've seen Skyfall many times. It's my favorite Bond it's, movie. Yeah, it's Steve's favorite Bond movie that he's watched, which is saying something because he's not a Bond fan generally. But the Craig era Bonds, he's like, oh, Skyfall is my shit, right? So It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's right. definitely in my top ten favorite movies of all time. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I love Skyfall. But it's like if you looked on Rotten Tomatoes and you're like, oh, this got like a 92, okay. So maybe there's like some plot issues. Maybe, you know, this version, you know, Bond is like weird in this movie. You're thinking like there's got to be something about this that drags it down. No, literally one of the guys who wrote one of the reviews for this literally on his thing that we just read was like, 
this movie's not really that good. Go on video on demand and and get the new Universal Soldier movie because it's better. He was clearly like, getting paid to write this article. It's like because even the, his, his, his the tagline at the beginning of his article mentions that, and it's like this is the kind of shit that drags down a movie. Some jackass on a website who writes something says like, oh, well, I'm doing this review about Skyfall, but I'm really not. I'm talking about the new Universal Soldier I'm really Soldier trying to movie. sell you Universal Soldier. That's so, perfect because we just covered the original Universal Soldier. That is awesome. That is this random picked it out of the hat. I just randomly did that. So we're going to take one more last break and we're going to, speaking of uh, my top tens, we're going we're gonna to talk about one of them last. Yes. Some old school corn right there. Old school corn. That's no going place back to, to hide. Yeah, fucking Life is Peachy. My favorite corn album. Absolutely. 100%. What, uh, since we're on it, which one is your favorite Uh, for corn? Uh, my favorite would probably also be Life is Peachy. Life is Peachy is It is shit. great. It, it's, it's, it's a battle between that the first album and free gonna lease but life is peachy just has so much good stuff like so much is so good yeah um you know usually you won't hear in a conversation what's your favorite corn owl issues was my favorite corn album it's like is that the only album you've ever heard by right corn? <laughs> it's like you know how you know how you can detect if we have aliens among us if right. you're like it's like, look, okay, so you like metal, all right? Yeah, who do you like? It's like, oh, I like corn, you know, I, I like, you know, bands like that. It's like, okay, cool. What's your favorite corn album? And they're like, probably issues. It's like, you are not from this fucking planet. You're a scroll. You're a scroll. If you ask any of your friends what their favorite corn album is, and they say issues, they're probably a scroll. They right. just got here. They're imitating your friend. Not to say that like issues is like complete garbage because there is a few good songs on that album, but as a total album, like three, three good songs. Yeah, um, there's a, like I there's said, there's like a three. few good yeah, songs. Like on that. literally, you nailed it. Right. So the last movie uh, that we're going to talk about today is the Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. The last of the last. Star Wars Episode Eight. And who's the Last Jedi? Of course, it's Poe Dameron. Right. Yeah, we all know that. You can't be that good as a fucking pilot and not be a Skywalker. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying. saying. <laughs> so. And my buns—they don't feel nothing like, like steel. steel. <laughs> 
Go listen to the Clueless I've had episode. The, yeah, we're plugging the, we're plugging our own shit now. We'll go watch the Clueless episode. Listen, I've had Brittany Murphy's I, we, accent stuck in my brain for like a week now. We don't have it where you can watch it yet, like John said, but we, you can definitely listen to it. Right. Did I say watch it? You said watch. Oh, well, fuck. It, yeah. You can watch it. And you can watch, you can watch the movie. Clueless. You can watch Clueless. You can watch the movie Clueless and then listen to us as, you know, talk or about it. Or do it at the same time. Mute Clueless and have us playing, and it'll be kind of like uh, what, like Pink Floyd with the like Wizard a, of Oz or oh, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'd be exactly. You'll be like, oh, my God, none of this syncs up. Yeah. And it'll be perfect. Yeah. Everything is like exactly like five seconds off of what it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we ain't got timing for shit. <laughs> we don't time anything. You're right. But we do have timing for, for what's next. So we're going to talk. We're, we're talking about The Last Jedi. So. Yes. So this first review, this is uh, Matthew Ro- Rosa. Uh, I think it's Rosa. Uh, and it's Salon.com. He's also a top critic. And okay. it says, Star Wars is not Breaking Bad. That's a valid point. It is not. That is a very valid point. Okay. He okay, might, props he, to that guy. He, he might be on to something. Right. It is not Breaking Bad. He cracked the code. Right. It is not. <laughs> it's not Breaking Bad. <laughs> so he continues on and he says, and the same narrative tricks that work for the latter feel jarringly out, jarringly out of place in the former. Yeah, you remember that part where like uh, Leia is making meth Right. <laughs> on the ship and then Poe Dameron catches her. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. None of that happens. Right. <laughs> I don't even know why you would even bring Breaking Bad into a conversation with Star Wars. Yeah. I don't know what they were talking about. Like, uh, maybe I should, maybe we should in, in, go further. Maybe. Should because I, I think this guy here? is having a stroke while he's writing this article. <laughs> or he's just doing like the other guy and just advertising Breaking Bad. Is that what he's doing? I don't know. Let me read into this a little bit and see where he's going with his point here. Um, uh, Let's see. This Uh, movie should have had Brian Cranston in it. (laughs) Brian Cranston could really be in any movie and I'd be okay with it. Um, I mean, he was fucking Zordon on Power Rangers for God's sake. Zordon Zordon was the bomb in Power Rangers. Right, yeah. Zordon was the shit. He's like a fucking giant head in a tube. I don't care about <laughs> Brian Crankston and Breaking Bad. I mean, Malcolm in the Middle, bitch. Right. Oh, yeah. Malcolm in the Middle is the best Crankston. That's the best As Crankston. just the, the dad, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, like, this guy on Salon.com, he writes, Before I get into the problem of the toxic nerd culture that has caused the harassment of the Last Jedi uh, alums, like actresses uh, Kelly and Marie Tran, however, I'd like to explain precisely why I think the movie itself was an epic misfire. Appropriately enough, the easiest way to explain my point is to compare The Last Jedi to... Your the... parents wished you were a misfire. <laughs> Should have swallowed. Um, <laughs> and The Last Jedi to The Breaking Bad. Um, anti-penultimate episode, Mendias, which, like The Last Jedi, was directed by Ryan Johnson. Without spoiling the story, its purpose was to serve as the climax for all the major characters viewers had gotten to know throughout the show. The moment when, for every uh, for everyone from anti-heroes Walter White and Jesse Pinkman to their adversary Hank Schrader, the proverbial chickens came home to roost. It was a powerful piece of television filmmaking, and because it was suitably epic while remaining rooted in what viewers had come to know and love or hate about the characters felt like an appropriate culmination of the various story arcs 
Frankly, I'd be shocked if it wasn't instrumental in landing Johnson his Star Wars gig. <laughs> that said, Star Wars is not Breaking Bad. <laughs> and the narrative tricks that work for the latter feel jarringly out of place in the former. So, I mean, this this is like someone writing an article would be like, you know that Avatar, it's no Sons of Anarchy. It's like, uh... Yeah, because like Avatar is full of like a bunch of blue people. Yeah, it's, on a planet. it's not even close There's to being the same cycle anywhere around. type of show. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about a TV show about a drug dealer making this form of super meth, and then a movie about Star Wars. <laughs> Was the did this guy get money from the producers of of Breaking Bad? I think it was one of those things. It's like we'll pay you if in this article you can mention Breaking Bad forty-two times. And he right. was like, "I can do it. I can do it." <laughs> and it's like, "Yeah, but should you?" And the answer to that is no. <laughs> you should not. Uh. You should definitely not do that. that. But the thing about this movie is it gets a ninety-one percent critic score, which is weird because for as much backlash as this movie got. And people that were, you know, had this outrage about like, oh, Ryan Johnson fucking killed Star Wars and all this shit. The critics, for the most part, liked it. Aside from that one guy who apparently got paid off by the people who do Breaking Bad. AMC probably was like, hey, here's some money, man. Just uh, <laughs> take people off of Star Wars and put them on Breaking Bad. You put know? put, uh, <laughs> put uh, The Walking Dead on one of your... Yeah, put The Walking Dead on your shit, man. It's like, uh, what, which one of them put The Walking Dead on? I don't know. When you're talking about like... Uh, Capote or something like that. Mention The Walking Dead. Like, Capote, <laughs> you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman's Capote was no fucking Walking Dead. It's right. like, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> it's like, sometimes it, you're like, okay, maybe there's a point here. And then it's like, no, they're really not. Um, so did you want to read some of the users' comments? Because the users on this were brutal. Yeah, they... they like a 44% by the audience. <laughs> they are very, very brutal to this movie because you know how star wars fans are they hate uh anything they hate basically everything everything complete destruction of a billion dollar franchise mistakes are uncountable the phantom menace was a bad movie with bad acting and characters the force awakens was unoriginal but neither broke star wars the movie was not only bad, it ruined the franchise. The people who wrote this and created it clearly never cared about the universe. Our science fiction in general. To make a bad movie is easy, but to destroy a universe is quite hard. But these people did it. Beyond unforgivable. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This, okay, this so, dude sounds like he's going to war. Right, over. he was like, Ryan Johnson, I'm fucking coming for you. I'm coming for you, and he gave it... I know where you live, motherfucker. I'm going to come over there. I'm going to whoop your ass. He gave it a half a star. <laughs> yeah, half a star. But get this. He just reviewed this March 20th, 2019. So he reviewed this eight days ago. Right. Oh, yeah. Nine days Nine ago. Nine days ago, yeah. I keep thinking it's the 28th. <laughs> Steve is stuck in a time loop and it just, yeah. it just stays. March you know what 28th. happened? I bumped into Dr. Strange. Yeah. And I, I broke his watch. Yeah. What's well, not, that's a no, no man. Yeah. He loves that watch. He definitely does. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's like, 
when you read stuff like that, it says the Force Awakens was unoriginal, but neither, but it did not break Star Wars, right? What was the, the, the thing about Force Awakens, the thing that we always said about Force Awakens, it's a good movie. I can go back and watch it anytime. I don't hate that movie. The only thing about that movie was that it borrows way too much from A New Hope. I was like, I've seen this movie before. And it's called A New Hope. It's the first Star Wars. And it's like it, Star Wars Remix Edition. It's one thing to make a movie that's familiar to the new ones. It's a totally different thing to just rip it off completely. To borrow like entire plot points. And like we said, we do like that movie because, you know, Poe's awesome, Finn's awesome. Yeah. Ray's okay. You get to see Han and Adam Driver's like, you know, Adam you get Driver. to see Chewbacca. Chewie, you know, with Rex his amazing dialogue. Right, yeah. Um, I I tell you what, if, I think sometimes Chewie's performances are highly underrated. They are. Yeah. You know, and you, then they have that little orange and white like soccer ball dude. <laughs> uh, BB-8, <laughs> the droid. People fucking love. You're not BB-8. my. You're not my droid. Yeah. R two D two motherfucker. <laughs> Hashtag not my droid. <laughs> Hashtag not my droid. Right. <laughs> we know you just made him to sell toys, Disney. Oh, obviously. Yeah. They're like, okay, well, we we've advanced our robot technology, so now we can have like a little ball that has like a little head looking thing on it, and we can roll him around, and his head stays on the top with like magnets and shit. It's like and, you know. Then you're gonna make that- a desert planet. Just call it Jakku. Just. Just have her on Tatooine. Jesus. Why do you so, make another desert planet? Yeah. It's and like, then just call it Jakku. Just call it Tatooine. Right. And it's just like, put her even, on Tatooine. We're even going to dress her to look kind of vaguely like Luke. Then a new hope. And then it would have made sense why Han Solo and Chewie was so close to the planet. It would actually have made sense then. But Jakku, why were they there? Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. It's But that's the thing. It's like. The thing with the audience about this movie is that it, it – the thing that Ryan Johnson was trying to do was he was like, okay, you guys have a lot of expectations about this movie. Fuck all of that. I'm not going to do any of the expectations that you think. And there are some people that severely disagree with that because they're like, no, you set up a lot of stuff in the previous movie. You need to pay that off. And he was like – that was that was J.J. Abrams' section of the story. I wrote my story. I gave it to Disney. Disney was like, we like this because you're going in a different direction. You took what J.J. built up in the first movie, and you're going your own direction. Cool. We like it. It wasn't like some shit like Ryan was like, I'm going to take that script, and I'm going to fuck over everything. It doesn't matter what the fuck Ray is. I'm going to kill off Snoke. I'm going to make Kylo bigger. And he just he changed all this shit. And then he was like, yeah, the script that Disney, uh, that they signed off on, we're not doing that. We're, we're going to do our own script. Here you go. And then fucked everything up. It's like, no, he gave that version to Disney. They looked at it and they said, yeah, Ryan, you did a good job with this one. Cool. Also, hey, after this, when you get done directing this movie, what we want you to do is we want you to possibly work on three more. We might have a whole trilogy we want you to do because we like this script so much. And we like what you're doing working on this project. We're cool giving you three more movies. Does that sound like this was a resounding failure? It still made like well over a billion dollars in the box office. It did trolls. It really did. Yeah, it's like you might troll and give this shit like a half a star. But Ryan Johnson still made a billion dollar movie. Yeah. (laughs) So, 
you know, like what what else can we find in here that's interesting? There's actually a bunch of stuff. Visually, Shit. one of the best movies ever made, but sadly, the story and nonsense decisions which were made make this the worst Star Wars movie yet. Just not. Remember how people thought that like the Phantom Menace was like the worst movie, and then uh, and then Attack of the Clones came out, and everybody was like, "Oh no, this is the worst Star Wars movie." And then Revenge of the Sith came out, and they're like, "Okay, well, it's not that bad. It's better, but the dialogue is still terrible." It's like they're going; those kind of fans are going to complain about every single fucking thing that you do from now on. Let's say, okay, so we have we have these many Star Wars movies right now, so. Let's let's just rank them real real quickly. Okay. Uh, just just because we we feel like it. Right. Um. So the last Jedi is not the worst one on our list. It's not going to be. So we'll rank them backwards from uh, worst to first, I guess. Um, okay. We'll do that. So I'll me I'll start with uh, the Force Awakens. You think The Force Awakens? I think is The, the Force of the Way Awakens is uh, my weakest movie. This is the one with the least rewatch value, in my opinion. But I have watched it like three or four times. Right. Um, ooh, I don't know. It's. I would probably put that. Maybe are we gonna count like like Rogue One in this and the Solo? No, no, no. Just just the main the, line. The, the main line. The ep- main number. Yeah, we're episodes. not we're not counting uh, Solo or Rogue One. Okay. Although, if we just rank those two, I would say Solo, then Rogue One, because Rogue One was like, oh, it's so unique, it's so awesome, and stuff like that, and it's like, it's also kind of boring. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely have Solo over Rogue One. Solo was way more fun. Way more entertaining. Also, yeah. I mean, it's it's fucking Ron Howard. I mean, how could you not like Woody that? Woody Harrelson. Yeah, Woody Harrelson. And Amelia Clark. Like Amelia Clark. Like, Paul hey, Bettany. Badass cast. I mean, and Paul Bettany is a fucking villain. That's like people. Forrest really, Whitaker. <laughs> Forrest Whitaker. People, <laughs> people shit on that movie, but it's like, it's really a fucking good movie. And then we also get to see Glover as fucking Lando Calrissian. Yep. And, yeah. uh, also, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Ben, um, what's his name? Uh, wh- which one? The uh, Mendelssohn. Mendelssohn, yeah. Yeah. Right. So um, no, it wasn't no Mendelssohn was in um Rogue One. Rogue One. He right. was uh director Krennic. Who's who's the person in this? The person. No, I, I'm <laughs> I'm totally messing up their names. Yeah. Okay, anyway, back so to what we were doing. <laughs> our rankings. Okay. Okay. So uh, see, this is weird for me because. Like I don't I I guess I would maybe put Force Awakens as like the least rewatchable, maybe. Uh, okay, so we'll we'll put Force Awakens last. So the next one, uh, the next one I'd probably put is the Clone Wars, the, the Attack the, of the Attack Clones. of the Clones. Um, I could see that. But the thing, I, I like Attack of the Clones. and I, I think, do. I, I like it because it's very Obi-Wan heavy. It's very Obi-Wan heavy. That's one of the things I like about that movie. But is it something that you would just, like, if you were just bored one day, would you just take out Attack of the Clones and watch it? Right. Probably not. You'd probably watch, like, Revenge of the Sith or something. Or, right. Or, you know, maybe, like, Episode Four or something like that. Um, so, okay. So it would be uh, Force Awakens, then Attack of the Clones. And then what would you have as like the, the third one up? 
My third one up is The Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back. Oh, Steve puts Empire fairly low. <laughs> That's so that is going to be controversial, Steve. I don't care. Yeah, um I I would probably put Empire a little bit higher than that, but like the thing is is that like most Star Wars fans that you talk to and you ask them what's their favorite Star Wars movie, most people say, "Oh, The Empire Strikes Back." We're not like that. Like, it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. I do love that. I've watched that movie a shit ton. I still do love that movie. But it, it suffers from the same thing that, like, Attack of the Clones has. Doesn't really have a beginning. Doesn't really have an end. It, it is the middle piece. Right. It serves its purpose. The one that's a little bit different from from that is, like, because the way that Last Jedi is made, it is, a, it is the middle part of, a, of its own trilogy. But it's, like, the way that it's done, it it doesn't leave you in as much of a cliffhanger maybe as you do an empire, you know, like you, you get a little bit more of like a resolute of a, of a finish before you get to the next movie. To me, the, 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 the only thing, so, so what's yours? I said the empire strikes back. What's, uh, what's your next? The, I'm trying to think it would probably, mine would probably be phantom menace right there. Phantom menace. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. So my next one uh, would probably be Phantom Menace. Okay. So we would kind of flip those probably okay. a little bit. So what would your next one be? Uh, was your was your was the Empire there or uh, New Hope or? Uh, I'd probably put I'd probably put Empire there. Yeah. Okay. So Empire's there, and then uh, my next one. Uh, because this would be like in terms of like rewatchability. Rewatchability. My next one would be a new hope. A new hope. Okay. Uh, I would probably say a new hope. Yeah, there too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It. Yeah, I can go back and rewatch that movie more than I can some of the other ones. Right. But yeah. So my next one after that. Um. See, it starts getting a little tough here because we have three more left. Right. Uh, so so we, we basically have The Last Jedi, we have Return of the Jedi, and we have Revenge of the Sith. So right here at my three, uh, this is where I place The Last Jedi. Okay. And, okay, so... I'm trying to think because yeah, I guess I'd probably put mine there too. Now the, the last two are mine's probably going to be flipped around. From yours. Well, I kind of, I kind of figured that because my, my two would be return of the Jedi and my one would be revenge of the Sith. Right. That would be his. Yeah. Cause Steve is how many times have you watched revenge of the Sith? A lot. 85,000 times. <laughs> and I'll watch it 85,000 more before yeah. I die. I would walk 5,000 miles. miles and I would book 5,000 5, more. more. Wow, that's a great song. Yeah, that's, that's a, a really good song. song. <laughs> Who the fuck did that song? I forgot now. Was I'll, it, I'll look it, it up. The, was it the, the Presidents of the United States? Was it it the, might be. Isn't that the band that did that song? Um, uh, but... Uh, Mine would be The Last Jedi and then Return of the Jedi. They were, yeah. Re or, or, no, uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith and then Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. So yours would be one, two. Mine, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
a pretty good guide on how to ruin the rich, well-established lore of the most beloved fantasy sci-fi galaxy far, far away and the most uninspired in Derp? Lee? <laughs> Derp? <laughs> Derp? Derply way possible? Impressive. <laughs> oh, aren't we clever? Oh, yeah. Undid no mustache. I'm just saying it how they wrote it. <laughs> uh, same old stormtroopers as against rebels. We still dunna know anything about Snoke and killed Luke for no reason. <laughs> oh, yeah. Killed him for no reason. Saving the entire resistance. That shit don't Giving matter. Giving them a, an opportunity to escape. Yeah. Oh, it's just Watch totally useless. the movie. <laughs> Watch the movie and understand context. They all were going to die. He saved them all. That is a reason to die. Saving everyone. Right. Is a reason to die. <laughs> right. <laughs> Should not have to explain that. Should not. Uh... This is one of the worst Star Wars movies to date. Sadly, it destroys all the plot lines set up by Force Awakens. Boo-hoo! It feels like a bad Star Trek episode rather than a Star Wars movie. See, oh, I wow. did, see he had to, he had to bring story Star Trek. Story didn't do what Story was supposed to do. I had a fan theory on YouTube. And it, 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 I, had, I had a video about Snoke being fucking <laughs> Darth Plagueis and it had like 2 million hits and now everybody thinks I'm not credible. It got cut in half and uh and fuck Ron Johnson. <laughs> Snoke should have been the main except he shouldn't. No. Uh, this is called the Skywalker Saga. Is it called the Snoke Saga? Look, somebody said Chewbacca ate a porg. This is supposed to be a kid's movie. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one too. <laughs> I don't know how you were going to read that one. Chewbacca ate a pork. That's disgusting. <laughs> this is a kid's movie, and you literally have him eating an animal. It's like, look, he is an animal. He is going to. He's going to look at those porks and be like, "Oh, fuck, lunch. This is awesome." <laughs> porks are basically chickens of the planet, right? Yeah, they're going to get eaten, right? And you know, as a person, Chewbacca is who... an apex predator, man. He's a Wookiee. He's a big fucking bear wolf dude. <laughs> bear wolf. He's basically. The movie Beowulf was made after Chewbacca. Right. <laughs> Chaotic, pathetic, illogical, messy, infuriating, disappointing, garbage. <laughs> That's how he wrote it. He put fucking Your commas. Your homework was probably garbage. <laughs> you know, you go back to school. I think he only learned what commas were. Right. I know how to use commas. That's the only thing I'm good at. Regret seeing it? I don't care about the characters, the story, are the that that's actually where he should have used, used a comment. Either. <laughs> <laughs> Much to learn, you still have <laughs> the story of the universe. They have all become repellent to me. <laughs> I now have no desire at all to see any more Star Wars films. Thanks, Ryan. But uh, does he think Ryan Johnson's reading these? Ryan Johnson's not reading this shit. You know why? Because he's making fucking billion dollar movies. He doesn't have time to fuck around and write These people tomatoes. think that Disney's like on these sites being like, oh shit. Man, we this fucked up. This guy is not going to watch another one. 
sell the company. Fuck. Just sell it off. Just fucking. Just sell it off. By the way, it isn't worth half a star, but Rotten Tomatoes wouldn't let me give it no star. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The worst Star Wars movie I have ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> he literally he put a U at the end of it. Sinu. <laughs> what do uh, put it on? Uh, actually, it's like March 19th, 2019. Watched it again and it still sucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's Jacob. One and a half stars. March 16th, 2019. This is like just like two weeks ago. <laughs> If you hated Luke and Han in the original series and wanted to see them grow into pathetic losers, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi are the films for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's just so harsh. It's so hateful. <sighs> oh, God. <laughs> it says, if you were also eager to see a girl who, with almost no training and well, had not believed in The Force a week ago, beat up someone who has had years of training in The Force... And then get real no no real explanation as to why Ray is apparently God. <laughs> this film is for you. If you really hated Star Wars and wanted to see it jump off a cliff, this film is for you. <laughs> There's just so much hate. Like people, <laughs> it's it's like it, people feel like if you if you do something in Star Wars that doesn't completely match up with what they wanted out of their head, it was like you walked in, into their house and like killed their dog and just told them fucking deal with it and then just left and it was like no they didn't do any of that you know it gets uh, okay here's darcy m it gets one star for the crew caterers and background actors that put in so many sleepless hours to get this complete joke of the film made subverting expectations is not what star wars needed right <laughs> Oh, and wow. this was written by George Luke. No, no, Darcy M. My bad. Right, yeah. I'm a fan of Star Wars from childhood, and I'm angry at this disgrace. Uh, I feel like he, <laughs> I, they didn't write that, but I feel like they were like, mm. like, he, like he, would, he would have had like a stomp right there. Like, yeah. mm. I'm so mad, damn it. I'm so mad. They fucked up my childhood. No, you know what? You know what still is intact? Your childhood still exists the way that you remember you're just a bitch. You're just a punk ass bitch. <laughs> that wants to think that a Star Wars is ruined, your life is ruined. It's like it's a fucking movie, people. Get over it. This movie was terrible. I feel like they were <laughs> I feel like they were writing it like Charles Barkley. Ter- this is terrible. This movie was terrible for sure. So much wasted time and pointless story arcs. Yeah, because I mean, why else would you watch a movie? The you know, pointless story arcs. I don't think that's a thing in movies. Right. If there's a story arc, it's not pointless. I mean, that's pretty much... That's that's a story. Disney doesn't do pointless story arcs. Um, how much money does Disney have? <laughs> they have done racist story arcs, though. Right. Like the original Dumbo movie. <laughs> was the, the, the black character that they actually gave a face to in that movie was named Jim Crow. Oh, wow. God. Yeah, his name was actually Jim Crow in the yes. movie. Wow, shit. So I don't remember that, but that's... and then there's there's basically black slaves in the movie, and they had no faces. Yeah, they Hashtag... drew them with they drew them with no faces in 1941. Jeez, the original Dumbo movie. Oh. So I'm glad Tim Burton's doing it. 
to remake it because the original one's basically unwatchable. Right nowadays, like yeah, that's that's one of them. Like Aladdin really didn't have to be remade. The Lion King, Dumbo, yes, yes, you should have remade that because the first you one. You want to forget the original? Yeah, you want to bury it. Yeah, Aladdin should never have been made live action. No, leave that shit as a cartoon because that shit would last like a hundred years untouched. Yeah, because a lot of those did, like you know, like. Shit like Little Mermaid and stuff. I mean, why would you remake that? That doesn't Beauty make any sense. Yeah, you, know? you remade it, but I, I still don't think... I mean, people watched it. It made like almost a billion or made a billion or something. Emma Watson. and That's great, but it, did it need to be remade? Not really. No. I don't think so. Oh, here's one guy. Great installment in the Star Wars saga. I feel like I'm going to run into someone just saying like, This is not the nanny. <laughs> it's like yeah yeah you're right that I is mean, very true just like the guy that we started the this part with where he's like this is not breaking bad and it's like that's that's correct that's true moving on yeah so <laughs> so, so this is stuff that actually happens that affects the rating on rotten tomatoes they just allow this to like affect ratings on rotten tomatoes where they're literally anyone like we could post on rotten tomatoes right now and be like this is not you know, the office. And then we you can, can't use story arcs from the office uh, as like, you know, things that you, you put in a star Wars movie and, and like, then we could post that. And that would affect the rating. of That this would movie. affect the rating in the movie. And then some people that only go and see stuff based on rotten tomatoes might get affected by this. Right. And that's ridiculous. This is the kind of thing that we have a problem with with Rotten Tomatoes. Kind of to wrap up here. The, the main thing that we've always maintained is that if you want to watch a movie, there's there's some people, uh, which one of them I think is uh, uh, <laughs> related to Steve, actually. Because your brother and one of your brothers-in-law, doesn't he use Rotten Tomatoes to figure out if he's going to go see a movie? Yes. And that's the thing that it's like, you're putting too much power into like one website because you, when you buy like DVDs and Blu-rays and stuff now, guess what you see on the outside of the box? Oh, this movie was certified fresh by Rotten Tomatoes. So, you know, it's gotta be good. We watch plenty of movies that would never get a good thing from Rotten Tomatoes that are some of our favorite movies. Mm -hmm. And we would never have watched them if we had actually followed dumbass websites like this. Exactly. There's also stuff like Metacritic, which we haven't even got into Metacritic. This is not about Metacritic, but you know, there's a lot of these people like that use this kind of stuff as a way to judge a movie. Like even when Captain Marvel was coming out, they were like, "We're going to have to purge useless bullshit reviews because people are going to review bomb it and make the score look shitty." And then that's going to affect some box office because there are literally people who go on Rotten Tomatoes and are like, oh, well, I don't want to see this movie because like, it got like really shitty ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. There's a girl in it. Fuck girls. <laughs> right. Because they won't fuck me. Right. They have this feminist agenda and I don't want to watch it. It's like, it's They're like just what? trying to put down the white man. Right. It's like. Look, Calm it's like down, we're two fuckers. white dudes and we we don't ever pull that kind of bullshit. Well, because we're not a bunch of fucking tools. Right. And and that's the thing. It's like if you're going onto a website like this to, to figure out what movies to watch, if you don't actually read the individual reviews of what these people are saying, 
Like, a lot of these people go by the critics. They're like, oh, well, the critics, you know, like, kind of bombed this out. They, they said it wasn't that good. Then when you dig in, like the Skyfall one, the reason that it has a lower score than it should have is because one guy is literally shilling a movie in his review that is not related to Skyfall. At all. Like, yeah. most of that article has nothing to do with Skyfall. Yeah. But it affects the score of the movie. Yeah. So this was just kind of one of our small episodes. And if you guys like this or have any suggestions for future episodes like this, which these are kind of just like special, you know, appearance episodes, just uh, write us at beyond the hate at yahoo.com and let us know what you guys think and listen to us on Spotify and anchor and iTunes, iTunes and Google and I don't know. We might have a show on Crackle. They're pretty desperate. I don't know. <laughs> do we? Do we do a show on Crackle yet? I, I don't know. I don't think Sony's that desperate. Joe, but hey. Joe Dirt Three. Uh, <laughs> uh, Paddle faster! I hear banjos. <laughs> Paddle uh. faster! I hear banjos. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you know we're on all the the or almost all the uh, uh, podcasting platforms, and just. Um, Keep an open mind. Keep listening to us. We're we're gonna, you know, if you guys have any like, even if you guys have any things where you you want to discuss plot holes and some things that we talked about that we might not have covered on earlier episodes that we've done, or like should we forgot? Yeah, mention, like you'd yeah. be like, oh well, you can can you explain this, and we can have a discussion about it, and most likely we will. I mean, we we um, yeah, we're open to that. We're we're always open to that, and we will mention it on the show. Uh, towards the end of the episodes, if you guys start emailing us, that again is beyond the hate at yahoo.com. And this has been our very, very special episode. Yeah. So, which is, uh, I don't know what this is going to be called, but basically, this is a uh, fuck rotten tomatoes. <laughs> fuck rotten tomatoes. I'm gonna be the man who's evil into you. But I'm not.